What is up, everyone? Welcome back to the Two Type Ones podcast. If you're familiar with the diabetic community, or maybe you live in Columbus, Ohio, and you're part of the diabetic community, I'm 99% sure that you've probably heard about today's guest. She really needs no introduction, but in the slim chance that you're listening to this somewhere else on the globe, or maybe you're not from Columbus, Ohio, you probably need a little bit of an introduction. So here it goes. Graham and I had the pleasure of sitting down with Colleen Reinhardt, a mother, a wife, a diabetic educator, a fitness enthusiast, a type 1 diabetic, a Dexcom warrior, and dare I say a philanthropist. I can keep going on, but she's done so much for the diabetic community. Colleen has so much information and expertise with diabetes that there is no way we would have been able to capture her life journey with diabetes and get a clear picture of the amazing accomplishments and amazing things that she's been able to do in the diabetic community in just 45 minutes. So Graham and I decided that we were going to turn this into a two-part series. And today is the is part one of that two-part series. So we hope you enjoy. So, okay, thank you so much, Colleen, for being here. I'm we're so pumped. We finally got Colleen on. <laughs> yeah. uh, we've been, we've been, yeah, we've been uh, talking back and forth for a while and trying to get Colleen on. And um, a good, interesting stories. I met Colleen. What was it like two years ago now? I think. Oh gosh. Two years ago. Just about two years ago, probably. Yeah, two years ago. Um, she was a a, a speaker at uh, and that of the simplifying life with diabetes event that we did. And, um, uh, me and Colleen have become really good friends and I'm always looking at her, looking to her for inspiration. So this is going to be, I'm fun. I'm excited about this conversation. Me too. Cool. Ever since I got the questions, it's just, it's perfect. The thing, the thing that I remember that I appreciated about you is it was obvious that you were a diabetic in a certain profession because you were really, really honest. We did that little round table. You just answered a question a certain way that I think most people are like, wow, I can't believe I'm hearing that from a nurse. <laughs> and uh, I think we both strive for that. And that's one thing I'm always big on, you know, um, Ken, Ken actually approached me recently about like swearing on the podcast. And I kind of was like a breath of fresh air. I go, if you don't want me to swear, that is easy. As long as my content isn't getting. Hold on. I didn't say, that's not what I said. Like I've told stories about like, (laughs) like, like we talk with like pooping and farting. And I talk about, I have a tattoo on my butt. And I guess my point is, is that. I did hear that on one of the previous podcasts. And I was like, all right. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) I guess my point is, my point as such is, um, you know, like swearing is just lazy. If your content is, is that's what, that's what hits them. And, and, um, you're, 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 uh, again, just complimenting my first opinion of you. So as we get into talking about you, but I appreciate it. That's awesome. You don't get to hear a lot about, I guess, after you speak, you do hear some feedback, but not any like real face-to-face honest. Yeah. Yeah. And I'll tell you, I, again, I'm always learning in life, but one thing I definitely have figured out about diabetes is having somebody to talk to. And when you leave an event like that, you're like, holy crap, man, that was, I could do that for six more hours, like to the I, point of exhausting my brain with diabetes, you know, with diabetes yeah. talk. So, yeah. Awesome. So 
we're going to do this two-part series with Colleen. And the first part here is going to just going to be all about her journey with diabetes, her story, living with diabetes. Um, and then we'll circle back on the next episode uh, that we record with uh, Colleen. And we're going to talk a little bit more in depth about her career and her being a CDE and her work with Dexcom right now. And uh, it's going to be, it's going to be fun. Um, so Colleen, yeah, you take it away. So tell us about your journey, diagnosis story. Let, let's rock and roll here. Well, hey there. So thanks for having me. I do have yes. to say initially I work for Dexcom, but everything that we talk about is my own opinion. Um, so type one diabetes, I mean, how long do we have? Oh, we got as much time like as you need <laughs> for the next like 24 straight hours. We could talk about Absolutely. This done. So type one diabetes became part of my life, um, over 30 years ago. And I, um, had all the classic symptoms. So my mom was like a medical sleuth and my, my older brother lives with celiac. So she kind of picked that out for him. Um, and then when I started with all of the classic symptoms, weight loss, super thirsty, I had that acetone sent to my breath. So my breath smelled like nail polish remover. I wasn't feeling well. So I was sleeping in bed with her and, um, she decided to bring me to my primary care doctor and they never stuck my finger. So it was three times that she had to take me there and bring me back. And she just said, stick her finger. And it was 467 and I was admitted into Massachusetts general hospital. Um, I want to stay for a good week though. At that time it was, um, quite a bit. I don't remember being hooked up to anything but fluid. Um, so I didn't, I don't think I had an insulin drip or any of that, but immediately you're propelled into this whole new life of living with diabetes. I do remember being in the hospital. I remember meeting other people that were there with diabetes. Um, but I don't remember how stressed out my family was, I think until later on in my life. Mm -hmm. So then I, I remember going back to elementary school and I was out for a period of time and my, all the people, all my little friends were asking me about, they called it, um, diabetal. Nice. So <laughs> they have the diabetal, not the diabetes. Nice. So that was fun. And then all the things that are incorporated. And so I brought lunch every day. I never ordered lunch, just all those things. And that didn't bother me. Um, diabetes was a, a part of my life, but it never ruled my life, never has. Um, and I think. I owe a lot to my parents just to make sure that maybe they weren't as educated as I am now about it, but they did the best they could back then. Um, I do remember with high blood sugars, I remember jumping rope in my kitchen to try to get my blood sugars back down. Um, Halloween wasn't something that I was really involved in. It just wasn't something I felt like I don't know. Candy was never very relevant to me. So fortunately, because I was diagnosed young, there's nothing that I really ever wanted to pull towards. Um, and even I can't remember that being an issue with friends at school or people's houses. I can't remember that being a problem. So eventually, I mean, throughout living with diabetes into um, high school, I played, um, I was a field hockey player. So I was an athlete there. I ran track. I did all the things. And then I was to go into um, college. And I don't remember the rubric to the essays that I had to write to be admitted, but I wrote about overcoming being an athlete with type one diabetes. And I could have cared less what they wanted me to write about. That's what I wanted to write about. And I was accepted into every college that I applied for. So I never thought that I'd live any place but Boston, Massachusetts, which is where I grew up. 
Um, so I became a nurse through at Boston College. And during that time, I think I started to have a little bit of a, not I think, I absolutely started to have a rocky road with my diabetes. I was into a place where everyone was normal. I didn't feel abnormal, but I felt like I had more responsibility and I didn't want to pay attention to it. So had I known how dangerous that was, my life would remarkably be different. Um, I wouldn't have done many of the things that I did do when I was in college, like drink alcohol and not check my blood sugar or eat pizza at two o'clock in the morning, which I haven't eaten pizza probably since I've been in college, just because I see what it now does to my blood sugars weighing a CGM Um, and the way I feel afterwards, even without a CGM, even without that notice, like you're not supposed to feel like crap all the time after eating food like that, having diabetes or not, you know, this is what I believe fuels health the way you feel. It's not normal to eat food and then sleep for two hours. It's just not. So you've got to be able to modify and manage things, um, listening to your body. And I didn't feel good in college. I know that now, but I didn't know that then. So how much more inefficient things could have been had I been more aware. Um, And then after graduating from college, well, actually in college, so nursing school, I'm introduced to various hospital systems within Boston for clinicals and uh, you know, diving deep into people with diabetes and you get to see all these complications. I never wanted that. And mostly I ignored it because I didn't think it was, I, I was untouchable, but I saw people my age in the hospital getting amps mm. and, and needing retinal surgery and having issues with diabetes that I didn't have. So I think I just coasted right under that like safe or high zone where I was never in the hospital with DKA. I didn't have, you know, ambulances called for me. Um, a lot of that I think is God's good grace um, and just getting by with a little bit of what I needed and also remaining physically active. Um, I need insulin. It's different than type two diabetes. I need it to live. Um, but physical activity is my, my second most favorite thing besides insulin. So that helped a lot throughout college. And then when I graduated from college, I got a job as a nurse. I met my husband who um, worked for, he's from Ohio. That's how we ended up here. He worked for the Red Sox. And we met the summer after graduated from college. And he blatantly just asked me um, after I told him. So he didn't know I had diabetes for four months. Isn't that a shocker? Shocker, right? (laughs) So no diabetes, he had no idea. I don't even know why I kept it from him because he's a lovely human being. Um, was but that a fear then, thing? I don't, I don't, it probably a little bit of that yeah. was, um, yeah. and maybe just from my, you know, it was just such a part of my normal thing. Um, but I intentionally kept it away from him. So when I did tell him, he, he just asked me, he's like, how come I've never seen you stick your finger? And I'm like, you know what? This is ridiculous. Cause I haven't been doing it as often as I should. Um, So it changed my life because it was no longer just about me. I was living for, you know, something better than just what I had created for myself. Yeah. That's so so interesting. Yeah. I I just, I love that because we, two weeks ago, I just, I talked about fears and like how different fears make us do different things that we wouldn't normally do. And I did the same thing when I was first diagnosed and dating different amazing people and, and just hiding it all the time and hiding it from my friends, hiding it from people that I was close to. And it's just, that's very interesting that you went through that same thing. Yeah. 
And it, it, you know, he talks about it now and he laughs about it, but he's like, was it me? And I was like, it absolutely was not. Yeah. It was all something that you own and that just like wrapped around your own diagnosis. But, um, and you see that with patients that I saw in the hospital when I was an educator, um, there, they're all like, oh my gosh, what am I going to say to my, the guy I just started to date or my new girlfriend. And now I was like, well, you're in the hospital. So they, they, know, they know that you're in the hospital for some so reason. We have two yeah. choices. You can bring them in and we can have a chat, which is always awesome. Yeah. Um, because I always shared with every single person um, who was diagnosed with new type one diabetes and I treated that I had it too. And they were like, and then here comes the typical coin phrase. We all hear this. You don't look like you have diabetes. Yep. Yep. So we all hear that. Um, and then just what do you do? So we would just, you know, exchange stories about, Fortunately, I don't remember what life was like before diabetes. When you're diagnosed later in life, can you know this? Mm-hmm. You know, you're like sometimes you long for the days when you didn't have to count carbs and even pistachios. <laughs> you know, yeah. you don't, you long for those days. As a child, I don't because I don't remember what that's like. Yeah. But I can relate to these the adults that I have that were diagnosed with diabetes and just tell them that it sucks right now. It's eventually going to be a heck of a lot better. Yeah. You're going to know food and nutrition better than anyone. And that's amazing. Um, you're going to know how things react with your body just by physical activity. And this is what everyone should know. So wouldn't it be wonderful if we all had the realization of how impactful nutrition activity using CGM, using medication appropriately could affect the well-being of your life um, as a patient with diabetes. But then even without, if I wish I could put a CGM on everyone and just let them see what life is like when they drink Mountain Dew. I don't think anyone should ever drink soda. Can't stand it. You mentioned when you first went to college that things kind of went crazy. What was the, like, why were you like in denial? (laughs) It's not that I was in denial. It was just that it was not a priority, not a priority because it had been such a part of my life for so long that I became monotonous with it. No matter what I ate or what I did or how I partied or how I studied, it was the same insulin, the same this, the same that. And it shouldn't have been. Um, Things would have been, could potentially be better in my future because if I had taken care of myself even better when I was in college because of that metabolic memory that our bodies have. You know, it's just, say your A1C for a while is 12 for years. Let's just say a random number. And then it becomes five or six. Well, the median of that, it's probably not what you want your median to be. So if those things kind of even out throughout your life, I believe it's easier at that time. But in college, I just, you know, you don't have a lot of, I think you're just trying to build your support system when you kind of left it. And it's, it's hard. It's a hard time for, for kids in college. Yeah. I, I like the, I like what you said about, um, the median and and understanding that piece because I think that a lot of people think like, oh, well, my A1C is up at 12 or wherever it is, it's high. And I'm I'm now it's down at six or below. Now I'm good. Uh, everything's fine. And right. they don't connect the dots to what happened in the past. Right. And it's important too that, you know, as we get closer to, you know, maintaining good time and range and a good baseline. So with with having better time and range and the A1Cs not being something that we're rated on, who wants to get a grade when you're friggin' 30 something? You know, yeah. that's ridiculous to me. And I, I think that the way I feel and the way I can get up and like steam through my day is 
because of my blood sugar management and because of the way I care for my body in general, um, I, I just think that it meshes well. And I don't have to be worried about when I go to my, my endocrinology appointment because it's just a learning tool to me. It's what an A1C is too. So mm-hmm. this is just something to say, well, things were going okay at this point. Um, and now they're not so great, but they can get better because you have all of the control. You really do. Hearing your familiar, hearing that your story is so familiar, one topic that we talk about all the time, and I cannot wait to ask you this is, what is your approach to a newly diagnosed diabetic? Because yeah. that's something we do all the time. So what a question, right? I wish I had the me now in my like teenage life. So I, I just want to let them know initially that my goodness, your life is different, but in these best ways. So how diabetes is wonderful is the fact that you're going to fuel your body in a way you never knew you could. And you're going to be able to do things more efficiently than people without diabetes and be able to kick ass in so many different things in the best way, but living within a chronic illness, um, and you're still going to do it better than people without it. So, you know, I, I just, for people who wear CGM who are new to it and don't have diabetes or have questions about family members with it. Um, let's just say someone randomly wears a, a CGM. Um, and I'm like, give it a run for its money. You don't have diabetes, but eat this package of Skittles guarantee you you're going to see something different and you're going to modify the way you eat elite athletes. Could you imagine what we could do? Could you imagine what we could do? I mean, I had a Dexcom on when I ran a half marathon, I would completely do it different now, knowing what I know. And I did do it differently wearing the CGM and running a half marathon. And, um, I would have tanked, I would have tanked out totally had I not worn that. Um, and I, I know that I can manipulate. I wear my pancreas in my pocket. So it's not like I can't move that around and manipulate my doses and temp basil and, um, and where it changed different things. But what if someone could fuel themselves with the appropriate food that way, instead of it being medication. So Mm. in relation to, you know, newly diagnosed diabetes, I would just say that, you know, it's going to be something that's part of your life and just fuse it in there and make it a beautiful thing because it's got to be positive or it's going to kick your butt. Let me ask you a question based on some things you've alluded to. And I think because we share something in common with almost 30 years of a diabetic. And I think about this at really, really like moments of peace, like deep moments. Do you think you are still motivated today by the same things you were like when you had had diabetes for 10 years? You know, this is this is how you take care of yourself. This is my daily regimen or at this point because you've alluded to it, are you out almost to keep proving to yourself like day in and day out? Like Ken Ashley, he, he asked me this question. He goes like, what motivates you? And you know what my answer was? Cause I think I'm awesome. Cause I've, <laughs> I've worked up this, 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 this system of, of a well-oiled machine that now it's not the same crap. It's not, I know I'm taking care of, like, I know I'm taking care of myself, but at, at this point I'm out to prove that I'm doing it the right way for myself. And I'm like, it almost makes me emotional talking about it. Cause it is, it's like, it's your whole system of thinking that you're, you, you know, you change your go, go ahead, go ahead. You're, you're. Yeah, no, I agree. I think the things that motivate me now, and again, this is just kind of the natural progression is living as a child, young adult. Now, you know, you're on your own and you have careers and so on your goals change and they should change because you'd always be improving yourself, not just through your health, but professionally and personally and so on. But I think 
when it comes to diabetes, do we have good days? Do we have bad days? Absolutely. But I want to mimic those bad days as much as possible. And, and just like you said, I know exactly what works for that. I know exactly what you did, what I can do. It's kind of like you're, you can be made into like this transformer like person as you can do the same things all day and build that like thick shell. Um, and then yeah. sometimes when you think you like are down, it's not a failure. It's just trying to grow in a different way with your diabetes in your life. But yeah, I just, I feel like, I feel like I could rock anything with diabetes that anyone probably without it couldn't because I've been so focused on living well and doing the things that we should. Um, yeah, I feel like, but, I just, but you know, and you, and you hit, you, you say something I got that I love a thick shell. Some people associate that with just pushing away all the bad things that are happening in your life. To me, my thick shell is like a, it bounces off. So I have a thick shell, but then my reaction is, is, is humor or sarcasm or pleasure out of, out of each and every day, because I've now seen my gosh, like what it takes just to keep me alive, you know, and I'm just one, one yeah. vessel. So right, sure. And that's your, your most important vessel, your, your heart and soul. I mean, with diabetes, it's just like, I don't know, we were given this cool thing to, to master, you know, we're made to be our own organ. I mean, not many people can say that. So it's pretty, <laughs> Isn't it's that pretty so right. Yeah. I think we're, I mean, I think we're pretty awesome. Actually. I think we're very <laughs> awesome. Um, I'm curious what, uh, I think you alluded to it in your story, but what, what, what has been the biggest struggle? Do you feel like through this whole process over the last 30 some years of having diabetes? I think owning it completely, okay. and totally myself. <laughs> You know, you have a lot of outside noise. Think about social media right now, right? Oh my goodness. There are gonna be people that, that are going to listen to this and they're going to be like, where has this been all my life? Where, where's the real top been where, you know, we're not just taking a selfie with good lighting. It's different. You know, it's just, um, the noise is gone. And once you're able to do your own research and you really find out where to dig in the people in your support system, the people in your community who actually care about your diabetes, not everyone in the world, you know, not everyone in the whole world is living the same way, especially when it comes to type one and type two diabetes. But, you know, I think when all of that garbage was gone, I was able to really make my own choices along with some medical professionals that I grew to trust. And some that had hard conversations, like you're going down a really awful road and you've got to change it. Not for me, not for the, you know, if I'm the endocrinologist, he was like, not because I want you to, but because you have all these things to look forward to. And it's good conversations like that that need to happen more often because, you know, they have 15 minutes with us, right? Let's just say, for instance, when we go see the endocrinologist, they've got to decipher 90 days worth of maybe data. Maybe that. You know, maybe. Yeah. They've got to decipher all the data, height, weight, all the things they're supposed to do. Um, and then afterwards, it's like, so how's your life? How's your brain? You know, how are you feeling towards all of this? Like, what do you need from me? That should happen first. So. Yeah, I like that. It's amazing. Like it's amazing because I we had pretty much a chance to give like our last word to a class of forty OSU students, and that was my exact thing with, with diabetes. Own it. That's exactly how I said it too. You know, and and I even alluded to what you said. You get fifteen minutes with your endo twice a, twice a year. I mean, that's how little it comes down to. That's where the value in, but like the reverse side, whether it's social media or a friend or whatever. So. Yeah. Colleen, coming from that world, do you feel like diabetics in general lean too much on the medical system or their doctors or their endos? Like, do you, do you mm -hmm. feel like we lean too much on, 
on that? I feel like that's a really good question. Um, so I have a lot of respect for medicine. And I trust science a lot. Um, for instance, none of the things that we'd be on right now would be pers- would be available. We'd all be, you know, withering away if it weren't for science. Um, but I do believe that many people, let's just say older adults, this is completely anecdotal. So there's no data that I've looked up surrounding this. So, you know, let's just say you have diabetes, you're diagnosed for the first time and you're like, crap, this is the one conversation I didn't want to have with my physician. What are they going to let me know? What are they going to do? I think some of the good things that I was able to go over with patients, and even when I wanted to send them home and coach them through taking insulin multiple times a day, the best conversation came out of, what are you actually going to do when you leave here? If I ask you to do 14 things, what are the two things that you're actually going to be able to take care of and carry out? Let's go over those and know that in your future, you have goals to do better for your whole overall health, because when diabetes is better, everything else is better. So I don't know if, if maybe leaning too much on the medical system is, is what I'd say. I think that the partnerships just have to improve when it comes to finding a good primary care doctor who has good understanding of, of diabetes and specializes in those things and endocrinology. When you think that there's really a specialist, you know, if I, if I have a heart attack, I'm not going to see my primary care doctor. I'm going to see a cardiologist. So that's what I believe, especially for type one diabetes, we should be seeing diabetes physicians, endocrinologists, but, and then tapping into all the resources they have, you know, there's dietitians everywhere and there's, they don't just carry plastic fruit anymore. So it's different now. Yeah. yeah. Um, you know, they're, they're count, they're doing macros with you. They're doing that stuff. If you ask them, so go with a good plan, you know, and I go see my endocrinologist. So I was like, my A1C is this fine this is fine. This is fine. But this is really, this is bothering me. So that's what I'm going to bring up first and have a plan to see if, you know, what I would recommend is what she would agree with. And then we work through that. You know, there's a lots of things that I think of that she's like, that's dangerous. <laughs> and then some things that she's like, okay, you could do that. <laughs> now, do now when she says it's dangerous, do you still do it? Well, probably. <laughs> yes. <laughs> so <laughs> the thing is with that is that to her, because to my endocrinologist, who is wonderful, um, she cares about, you know, she might know different outcomes. I only know mine in this situation. So she's seen this happen with various other people and so on. So she's trying to give me like a heads up. Um, and she'll say this is dangerous, but because you have not even proven to her, cause you don't have to prove yourself to your doctor. You just have to go in and be yourself and have, like I said, good quality conversation. Um, and they'll appreciate that the next time you come in, um, is that she knows that I wear technology to help me and that I have good family support and that if I do need something, I'm just going to shoot her a message on email and make sure that that's taken care of. Um, but I do, I like to try new and different thing. Why not? Why not? I'm I'm not going to be on this world forever. So I'm going to give everything I can a good shot. So I want to, I want to take a question and there's going to be a, a couple of follow-up questions here, Colleen, because I think okay. you're the perfect person okay. to ask me. Ask me. answer yeah. these questions. Yeah. Um, and we talked a little bit about this. We've talked about, we've talked in length about this before and yeah. all three of us have the same viewpoint being a CDE being in a position where you've worked with diabetics for so long and uh, as a career thing, yeah. how powerful do you think CG and you kind of alluded to it. How powerful do you think CGMs are to diabetic success? Whether you're type one, whether you're pre-diabetic, whether you have glucose 
uh, intolerances or issues, whether you're diabetic or not diabetic, type two, how important do you think a CGM is for human beings? So, oh my gosh, I just, so my work, let's say, um, for what I did for inpatients when I worked at as, as an inpatient CDE, I didn't know that I was going to become a CDE. I lived well with diabetes and I was huge being a nurse and doing wellness information. So I, I put, um, I wrote for a grant when I worked at, um, Ohio state and I was like, we need to be more mobile. I would walk down the, the hallway and I would see coffee in hands and people with their hair tied up and they're crazy. And they, they're, they look exhausted, but they're my, colleagues and friends and people who I know are changing the lives of people, but they all look tired. So what do we need to do? We need to be more active. We need to be, so I wrote for a grant and we got a treadmill fitness room put on the floor that I worked in, in the hospital, just to see what it would be like to move more often. Had I slapped a CGM on all those people that did that and showed them what it was like to be stressed, what that does to your body when you're stressed is nuts. Um, what that does to you when you've been up for 48 straight hours as a resident, what that does to you is ridiculous. So CGM, in my opinion, should be put on everyone. Now, type one and type two diabetes, if you're not on it, you're getting, it's as a disservice to yourself. It's instead of sticking my finger 10 times a day or more, I can just slap this thing on once every 10 days and trust the fact that it works. I don't calibrate it. I don't stick my finger. Um, I just don't because it works. And my A1C has been in the fives for the last 11 years. And I can contribute that to my knowledge of food and education and physical activity, but I wouldn't know how to get it down that low and still be safe if it weren't for the Dexcom. Yeah. I hope that I, answers your question. Absolutely. In the fives? In the fives. 11 years. That's amazing. Yeah, it's Good awesome. for you. It's awesome. Um, yeah, I think it's... God, it's just it's do you, so do you, impactful. Do you guys realize that there is a like you have to make a mental decision to get on a CGM? Like people, even type ones that have been there, you know, type one for 40 years, yeah, will look at you and you're like, they'll be like, you're on it 24. Cause I don't know. So sometimes an end will be like, you know, we could put you on, come into the office, we'll put you on it for uh 72 hours, and we'll and then we'll come back and look at your numbers. And then they're like, wait, I can just do that all the time. And it takes it took it takes them it could take some time to like think about, you know, it's like holy crap, this is all gonna come. Cause what is a CGM at the end of the day? It's accountability, right? You we are it is a hundred percent there there's the facts there are the facts whether you want to admit it or not you know so yeah. i always forgot i always forget about that 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 you know i think there's two two things that i think about with for people that that are put up barriers on what and and tell themselves that they shouldn't be on a cgm mm -hmm. one i think it is the fear piece and it's running away from Oh well, I think I'm good enough, or uh, I'm I'm okay enough. My numbers are okay enough, or that's not really going to benefit me, right. or it is. I don't want another device on me. And I think that having that mindset, a lot of people having that mindset, in I just I'm so I'm so interested in this fear piece with everyone because I dealt with it for so long throughout my whole entire journey with diabetes, and it really took one my wife that basically like you like you colleen to say to me that what the hell are you doing what yeah. like why why are you doing it this way like you know that this is not the right way to do it and 
it just it takes that switch in that mindset to be able to say to yourself that i need data at the end of the day you have to have data as a, as a diabetic and I, this. I mean you got what you do with your job yeah. what if people come in every day and they're not you know you have them to take a food log take a picture of your meals the easiest thing just take a picture of it and bring it in with you who's not on their phone all day every day mm-hmm. cgm is easy that way but if they falsify what they're telling you who's paying for that not you them. yeah Yep. So it's me. If I'm isn't, that to, isn't that isn't the answer to your question pride then? Aren't people just too proud to admit that they aren't eating right? Their numbers aren't their numbers aren't where I, they should be, and they want to they want to like they want to admit like you see in the everyday world that what they're doing is right. They're doing it, you know. Like look on social media, people are so sure that yeah. that everything they say from political views to to health tips are so correct. And I think it's more of that, you know. I don't think it's a pride thing. I think it is absolutely a fear thing and people don't want to admit to themselves that there is an actual real issue and they they look about what's on the surface instead of what's internally going wrong well, with them. Then right? maybe in the case of someone's health it's it's both. Maybe and, and that's what at the end of the day that's what we're trying to attack. You want people to like what Colleen said like take your health seriously and enjoy not only and this is where Colleen and I are so alike. Don't even don't just take it seriously, enjoy it. I just had like a really bad situation with my CGM and it, 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 the last 24 hours, really almost 48 hours and not having a CGM, I was flipping. It's like changing your life. It, it, it totally does. It changes your whole entire perspective on how you deal and manage your diabetes because you don't have this data right in front of you to tell you, are you trending up? Are you trending down? Are you steady? Like, yeah, I can prick my finger, but it, it's not telling me anything, but like, oh yeah, you're 75 or, oh yeah, you're 250. Like yeah, that's all it tells you. Trend in direction. I mean, that's, it's no longer a moment in time. That's not how I live my life. So I can't expect, I can't expect anything to happen that way. I mean, I don't look at my life with diabetes as being such a present moment. You know, it's like, I know that after work today, or after we get off, whatever it may be, that we're going to have Chipotle for dinner. So it's like, I'm going to pre-bolus. I'm going to make sure that my blood sugars are where they are. And then um, I'm just going to keep an eye on them. But I set my alarms. So I just get alerted, um, make sure my rates are efficient and I just move on. So it's not anything that I can, you know, you can't let it just encapsulate your whole day because it can't. Every single thing that you think of, like I'm looking at my desk right now and I have almonds over here and then I have water and then I have Skittles. So just in case my blood sugar goes like, this is what you do, but yeah, you figure out what works for you. It's just a part of your life. So if, if in, in this and in advocacy and getting this out and knowing that people that live with diabetes, diabetes, it is what it is. Um, type one and type two people with type two diabetes. I feel like there's a giant stigma around, you know, how, how awful it can be. And it doesn't have to be that way. I mean, having a realization of food and physical activity can trump a lot of things when it comes to um, type two diabetes. And then just that aha moment after you say the patient, you're like, listen, your A1C is this number. I don't even go over goods and bads. This is just data. So now I have a place to start off. It's the same thing with CGM information. So this is just where we're going to start. This is where we can go to, and this is what we're doing really, really well. So 
And then the, the next time you see them, the person that you're coaching, the people that I see, whether it's um, clinically or whether it's uh, someone in the community with diabetes, I didn't know I could feel this way. I thought I felt fine. And then I was doing okay, but I can like get up at six o'clock in the morning, run five miles on a treadmill and still get up and make my kids breakfast and feel like I'm good. Um, it's nuts to feel that way. Even the walks, like you encourage your patients with type two diabetes all the time to get physical activity, especially after their meals, it just makes perfect sense. Right. But you can't tell them all the clinical data. You just say, listen, along with eating, just make sure to get up and move around for 10 minutes after you eat. And it's like, once that clicks, it's not the biggest thing. It's not all this extra stuff they have to do. It's just doing what they know they should and then feeling better. How chronic is this? It's not going anywhere right now. We have such good things coming in the future, hoping that this is going to be. But until there's a cure, there's a community. You wake up and there's a gram and a Ken. So there's all of these things that you can reach out to. And when days like that suck, then you text someone that, you know, because they will. How many, I have one of my favorite type one kids. He's a baseball player. And he just finally said to his mom, after having diabetes for six years, I've had enough. And I'm like, crap. I've, yeah, I feel you. I'm there too. My body is like filled. Just just speaking of that, my has my like whole body filled with you know like it is. It's a and tough you get that way. And it it's is. Yeah, it, but you have to again. You have hard. to like. But 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 what makes me sad because I'm such an emotional guy is the fact that people like deny those thoughts. Like, dude, let it come out. Like, go punch it. Like, literally, go punch a punching bag. Go go run your freaking heart off and like get right. it out. It'll it will come out. Like the emotion will pass. Like it will pass. Have a drink, whatever it is. You know. I mean. And that kid ended up, you know, he was just having a crap day. It was like an yeah. off time for baseball and it was off, but you know, his mom took off his pod and his Dexcom and just let him like take a shower without that on. Like that's a powerful thing. Yeah. That's really powerful. Yeah. Yeah. That's so, real powerful. I think, I think the, I was, I, I was talking to a, a parent the other night and her, their, you know, daughter is going through adolescence that adds a whole nother factor with this whole process yeah. as a, as a female going through adolescence yeah. and um, they, they're having a hard time with uh, they're having a hard time with like the, the struggles that she's going with. And I, and my whole message to the, to them was your only job is to be empathetic and be there for her. That's it. That's, That's your only job. Like that is your only job because at the end of the day, you can't make her eat right. You can't make her right. look at her numbers and right. give her insulin, you know, give her insulin. And that's like, cool about this too. You know, when it comes to building a better diabetes support system is huge because she's going to find someone that she relates to yeah. on that aspect. And it's going to mm -hmm. be like, it's going to be life-changing for her, yeah. but until she gets there, you know, and that's, what's great about what this is, because if you put a thousand people with diabetes type one and type two in a room, how many people would you say, who knows what's, and you didn't say continuous glucose monitor. You just said CGM. How many people do you think would raise their hand? 10, 20, mm -hmm. not a lot of people already no. wearing it. So it's about awareness. It's getting that information out there and knowing that during this time of adolescence, oh my goodness, the way that things could change, um, is it's, you could do diabetes the same. I could have the same diabetes today as I do tomorrow and do things exactly the same. My blood sugar numbers are different, but that's just the way stuff is. It's the same thing with weather. You can't control like what it's going to do out there, but you can still enjoy it and run in the rain if you want to, you know, it's yeah. just, 
I do think, I do think though, Dexcom is doing a fantastic job of marketing. I mean, you guys just did a Super Bowl ad. I mean, it is, it is becoming the, the typical commercial on TV, the thing at the end of the, you know, at the end of the magazine, there's, you know, you know, all the things, like all the things that you see, even, sorry to talk about the competitor, but even freestyle is, is making its rounds, you know, and people are becoming more aware of the technology, you know, so. Right. And it is, it's all getting the information out and it's, it's a powerful thing to see someone put something that small on them and just live a better life. And we've all seen that, we live it. Um, I don't, I don't know what I would do without it now. We've all talked about that too, but I would do anything like Ken and I were talking yesterday and he's like, I don't have a sensor. And I was like, what? I know. So now he has a set, you know, I do. I always have a million if you need it. You And and that's the thing too. Like we were able to, I mean, it's just important to have a community and to know that it's just, these are all very normal feelings. Like I, our community has never been as powerful as it is right now. Never. It's It's, it's so powerful. It's so amazing. What, um, I I don't know if you've ever thought about this. I know, I know I have, but I'm curious to, I'm curious of you to ask you, like, what do you think, what are, what are some things that we can do as a community to make that that first month, two months, six months of diagnosis better? So, I, you know, and this is with how many times can we wrap our brains around, you know, I think the, one of the wonderful things that I believe it's um, beyond type one does is you can get these little posters and you can stick them on the back of bathrooms and like doctor's offices and so on. And it tells you the signs of diabetes and to just you know, check those and so on. Um, same should be for education when it comes to diabetes and knowing that there's resources out there. Like you could do this, this podcast is available and put that on, you know, ADA's website. And if they click on the Columbus area, this pops up, you know, just things that are easy um, and intuitive because they're going to be overwhelmed initially. So if we're able to do things that are small and concise that that means everything. And this is reaching every, you know, community health fairs when those are allowed again, getting that information out and just being nice and, and everything has to be ease of use. No one has a lot of time anymore. Um, so, which is so unfortunate, but I, I do think that, you know, if it's, if it's quick and easy, especially if you have a new type one, you click a button on your computer and it prints out two pages of local resources. Um, and that's what you could, could reach into to help you through the first few days. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I almost wonder if people even understand the the community that they're getting into when they're first dying. I mean, like Ken's story to be diagnosed and essentially walk out with a script and fill it on your way home, and then you know within like three hours you're just back standing in your kitchen again. You didn't right. realize you just entered a new community of people. And I I say that because I've always I've always put on the back burner CDE. That's like. That would be a dream job for me. I think it would require schooling, but that must just be like, that must just be the dream job, you know? And to, to hear you say about that, the numbers are lacking is, 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 is sad to me. So, because, you know, the numbers of diabetes are doing the opposite. I can actually, I can actually use this time. Actually a, a friend of ours that got Ken and I involved in another diabetic group locally. I met him through the diabetes camp that I first started out and he actually told me they are looking for counselors this year. And it's cool because they, huh? That's like a dream. Yeah. So it's camp, it's camp Hamley 
Yeah. Um, H-A-M-W-I. It's, it's where I grew up going. It's where I've met some of my best friends. I, I actually will end the episode with a really funny Camp Hamway story because we were crying and now I'll end it on something funny at the end. <laughs> but he reached out and he said that they are looking for camp counselors. And the cool thing is, is in the last five years, they had cut back funding. So the, the amount of weeks offered to kids was dropping and dropping. They've since changed that and they've been able to add more weeks because especially the older kids, what you call like the senior group. So like, you know, the high schoolers are really, really like we're doing like right now, they're passionate about getting together. Like they, right. they almost wait the whole year to get together at summer camp with their buddies. And, Let's do uh, it. So I want to, I want to, I want to do it. It's, I want to talk about, I want to talk show to you the application. Look it up. You would love it. Ken, you would yeah. have to go for a week though. And like put computer and internet away though. I mean, you couldn't really even be checking your work. So I'm, that's I'm, why I really have, I'm cool a hard time that. doing it. I'm cool with that though. Like, yeah, not just should. plan it, plan it, and let's go yeah, do it. Because yeah. I'm like, I would should. just want, like every single day, no one else is talking about me. <laughs> if the, if the, I, I actually, and I, I even I told him about the podcast today. So you know, if the community is listening, reach out to something on the two type ones, and we can get you linked up. But it's an it's an amazing. It used to be run by a, an organization in Columbus. Again, all the funding ran out, so I think they went away. But Camp Hamway is it, it's the name of the camp. I don't know who it's under these days, so it's local to Columbus, Ohio. Yeah, and we can do some things really creative to fund these kids too. So it's nice that we can work as a community to make sure that they're getting taken care of. We yeah. all know that there's big support coming from um, big sponsorship to fund things to help diabetes. But my heart, as well as yours, I'm sure, is just to make sure that the kids that we live close to are being taken care of and to not have to worry about paying for a camp. I don't want to have to, you know, I don't want them to have to worry about stuff like that. So, you yeah. know, doing things in the future to, to do that. Would be great. And then, you know, Ken, we had talked um, in the past just about like, how can we increase awareness of just being able to check your kids so they don't have these awful instances where, you know, things could be caught early enough and it's not the flu, you know, mm -hmm. just take their finger, just make sure to poke a finger. It's yeah. going to suck for a minute, but I've checked my kids' blood sugars. I mean, I remember going to um, my Landon, he's my nine-year-old. I remember going to his school. I've kept him home this year because I was that parent and um his teach his the school nurse who has a daughter who's type one she called me and we're close and she said you know Lynn is just off today and he's never at the nurse and I was like I stopped what I was doing I was like 40 minutes away and I'm like just keep him there and I went to and we went out into the parking lot and I checked his blood sugar and we both cried and then we both went and had McDonald's so <laughs> I mean it's just those things where you're always yeah. But what if I didn't, what if I didn't take that seriously and I didn't live with diabetes and my kid could have a blood sugar in the higher range. It's not like critical at that point, but I could catch it. You know, this yeah. isn't always, I was diagnosed in the fall, which is the time that many people with type one diabetes are misdiagnosed because they think it's the flu. They think it's something that's, that it's not, that it's, it's crazy. Yeah. Just stick a finger. doesn't take anything. Just do it. What would you, what advice would you give? Uh, to a newly diagnosed diabetic, what advice would you give to a uh, diabetic that's been living with diabetes for a long time, a parent, what advice would you give? So, wow. I feel like this is a question I could write a book on. Um, but I just feel like if you could pay attention to the, what you're doing to yourself makes the, makes your body feel and your attitude, your energy, um, living with diabetes, you'll find the right tools pretty quickly as to what you're going to be successful with in your life. We probably all use different tools. There's different things that you love to eat. Here's this thing. I found this. Have you ever tried this stuff? Oh, the collagen water? 
I've never tried it. Yeah. I've heard of it. I, I have not tried it yet either. Collagen is, it's so weird because um, the supplement company that we partnered with at the gym, they just created a, a collagen line of protein and, yeah. and I've just been hearing that word so much over the past two months. So it's, mm-hmm. it's, it's like small world that you just brought that up. It's awesome. Yeah. So I'm going to try this thing just because I started and I was like, oh, okay, I'm going to try this. But that's what I mean. If I have it and it spikes my blood sugar, even though it says it's four carbohydrates, I'm not drinking it again. You know why? Because water doesn't do that. And I can still flavor that. And put I put a lot of collagen in the things I bake for my kids and us. So you can't taste it, but there's good protein in it and other essential nutrients. So it's it's just a great kind of, and that's what I mean. Just experiment with things. Once you're comfortable, get your routine down because everyone should have a routine in life, not just those who have diabetes. So, and do the things that make you feel the best. Um, when it comes to nutrition, when it comes to exercise, at one point I'm going to stop running because I'm just going to, it's hard on you after a long, many years doing it and so on. And then I'll take your advice with more weights, but you know, yeah. I think that I, you know, I, I just feel like people have so much to learn initially. Take little bits of it, make sure you feel better, make sure you feel okay, and then take what works and do it 10 times better the next day. And then you'll just, you know, and stay positive about it. It sucks some days and recognize that, but go up the next day and just tell it, put it to sleep and move on. I I just can't say enough how negative talk constantly in your brain is just an awful thing to let in, especially with a new condition like diabetes. There's others that's harder to let go. Um, but when it comes to diabetes, this is a manageable condition once you get your tricks down. So learn from those around you. Don't focus on such a big audience of people that you're trying to get information from, um, focus on a few who you trust and you know, that works for them and then, you know, build your repertoire of what works and then talk about it. You want to do a question for her? Yeah. Let's do it the real way. Let's do it. We always end with a funny question and I, I just go through life putting these questions down and a lot of them are very, a lot of them are very appropriate. So (laughs) I'll just do a fun one. This is one I love to ask people and I don't know that we've done this on the podcast and you have to think oh, about goodness. this a little bit do you do you hold someone's stare or someone's glare so you come up you come up to a red light and someone is the passenger is like you know arm out and they're just dead they're dead on like they're just <laughs> looking right at you, you <laughs> what do you do what do you what do you guys do so I or, would... or, or 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 just whatever you know like you know how they, i don't know that just you know, you turn the corner into your house and someone is like the neighbors walking their dog and they're holding your stare the entire time you pull into the driveway. Like you did something wrong. Like, the go perception ahead. Go of ahead. like what you want. Go ahead. Like them to, re- to like, no, do you, what do you do? Let's do the, do the analogy of call, p- coming up to a red light. Do you, right. Are you uncomfortable? Or do you look back? I think it would, at, it would depend on like the situation, the red light. I mean, it depends what mood I'm in. Either I'd probably just wave. You would because win. that's why I don't like okay. obviously it's a little like hey but when you <laughs> you're just nice and everyone's like oh crap isn't Someone's that the most like, awkward moment? but you know or I just turn up whatever songs on and I grab my chapstick and it's like do you, do you find, isn't that like a, such a it's, like a it's like a defense mechanism that humans do you you find something to do right right well yeah so, you're gonna whatever you do. what's your answer I I think it's I think what Colleen said is right on it hits the nail on the head like it's whatever your mood is Right? Because I think the other thing that's very interesting about this question is it's all about perspective. 
like the other person's perspective or your perspective of like what is actually going on in that situation. Yeah. Because if I'm having a really crappy day, my perception of that person what's your, is what's, your, what's problem? your problem? Yeah. Why are you true. looking at me like that? Are you staring at me like someone yeah. else? Like, are, what's you, your are you staring at me? Yeah. But if, if you had, you know, a really good day and like, you know, you want to sing like Colleen does when she's I mean, at, at like the red light, like, ridiculous it's going to be totally different the perception of that is going to be totally Dude, different. I'm gonna so tell you guys, that's, that's a very the interesting day, question the day that i wrote this question down it's gonna make me cry laughing the day <laughs> that i wrote this question down this is not a joke i dropped my daughter off at daycare and on the way back an eight-year-old girl is staring me down and i'm like what do i do what do i, I was like i was like i was like do i stop the car oh, do i crash? Great. i was like i was like what is she looking at and at this time i was i had blonde i had like jet blonde hair for a while colleen and i was like is it my hair is it my i was like and then i parked i'm like Damn, like I did what Ken did. I was like, everything went out the window. Like I couldn't your perception <laughs> of what you thought she I was, was like, really. I couldn't hold the you. stare. What is she looking at? What's her problem? Is it me? I was That's like, she's so eight. Funny, I was dude. like, this eight-year-old just defied me. I mean <laughs> That's so funny, dude. That is hilarious. <laughs> that is so funny. Oh my God. That's amazing. Okay. Well, to, on I that note, go. I have to go. On that note, thank you so much, Colleen, for at. joining us. <laughs> Watch out for people staring you down on the way home, I'm man. Gonna, I'm gonna work. I'm really gonna look at them. Road rage. I'm really situation. gonna try to look at them. That's hilarious, dude. Really I just love try. your questions. They just make me laugh. And these are just perfect <laughs> questions to end each episode. <laughs> well, thank you so much, yeah, Colleen. It was a, a pleasure as always talking to you. Um, we'll have to do this again very soon. Um and uh yeah, thanks so much. It was Who awesome. are you guys? I can't wait for the next time. We'll talk about other things. Yeah, we'll talk a little bit more, maybe about Dexcom and your I, I would really love to dive into a little bit more about your work um in the hospital yeah, and being a CE and me too. What your thought process is with um that piece because I think it's a, a thing I know that we talk about sometimes and yeah. Sometimes we talk about it so much. We talk we, so much we, about we that do. that we that newly admitted piece and how how crucial it is. So. How crucial it is, and like what is going on right now compared to twenty years ago, and like, yeah, I think it's that's one another. Year ago. I mean, there's a lot going on within there, especially. Yeah, yeah. yeah especially with COVID. Yeah, for sure. Um, yeah, so I think that's going to be another good conversation that's going to be coming up. So thank you so much. It was this was this was awesome. I adore you guys. You got me to cry, so that was great. Typically, Talk. I always do when it comes to type one diabetes. Me too. Once a little bit. Cry and laugh. I, I yeah. cry. At, I cry at happy and sad. I have to explain it to people. Right. Me too. Yeah. Thank you so much to everyone for continuing to tune in every single week. We really appreciate your support, uh, continuing to let the podcast continue to grow. Please, please, please go on Apple Podcasts, on whatever podcast platform that you listen to our show, like, subscribe, follow, leave a review, leave a comment. Uh, it helps the show grow and gives us ideas on, you know, if people are even listening to our show. So please go on uh, your podcast platform and like subscribe and leave a review really we really really appreciate it if you have friends or family members that are diabetic please share our show with them we really hope that the content that we're continuing to push out is impactful for everyone whether you're type 1 pre-diabetic type 2 type 1.5 whatever it is so 
Uh, we really hope that everyone is enjoying the content uh, that we're pushing out. Also, if you need some additional guidance or maybe some coaching, please don't hesitate to reach out to me. You can send me a DM on Instagram at either Simplifying Life with Diabetes or Coach Ken. You can also reach me on Facebook, Ken Kenis, or you can just send me an email, the two type ones podcast at gmail.com. That's the two type ones podcast at gmail.com. Thanks for tuning in. We'll see you next time.